Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. We're excited that you are tuning in, and it could be morning, it might not be, and that's okay. This is a judgment-free zone. We make Planet Fitness look like a Look like the final judgment. So no, no judgment here. We're uh, excited that uh, we get to spend this time together. And so I don't know what uh, your holiday was like. Hopefully, hopefully Christmas was an, an amazing time and New Year's was a great time. But for a lot of people out there, it wasn't. And uh, holidays are just things uh, that, that bring back old memories or things that remind us that people aren't here. And so... Uh, I don't want to assume that you've had an awesome last week or two, uh, but I am thankful that you're here, and I'm thankful that uh, we get a chance to be able to spend some time together today. My name is Ben, if we've never had the opportunity to meet. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at, at C1 Church, and uh, I just want to say uh, what a privilege it is to be um, a part of what God's doing here in Columbia, and to be a part of your life right now, and just to have a small a moment in time together. Um, I'm actually going to be in book of the Bible called Mark. And so um, before we dive in, I just want to say um, we completed our Christmas series. We just talked about the five love languages of God. And if those of you have been, uh, you've ever read that book, the five love languages, if you haven't, you need to check it out. You need to check the book out totally. But at the end of the day, our series was, hey, these languages came from somewhere. And so let's talk about that. And let's talk about how they were first revealed to us. Now we have the opportunity to be able to share that same love with others and communicate that in five different ways. So if you didn't get a chance, check that last series out. It was an incredible uh, time together. And, but I'm excited that we're in a new year right now. And uh, last year may have been the best year you've ever had, and uh, it may have been the absolute worst. Regardless, you're here now. We're here now. And if it'd be okay, I'd like to just start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word and that it speaks to us that it's living and active and and um, it's not just a it's not just a history book it's not just a book of, of tales or or uh, great ideas but it's your living word and and it has the power to change our lives if we let it and uh, thank you that there's nothing that's going to exit my mouth that will change anyone's life but your word will always change the lives of people whose hearts are receptive and willing to listen willing to 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 let it sink in and 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 change them. And so we trust that your word will go forth and it will not re return back without accomplishing the very thing that you sent it out to do. And uh, Lord, we love you in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, to be quite honest with you, I'm wrestling. Every time I get up to have an opportunity to deliver uh, a message from God's word, I struggle with where to go. Because it's kind of like if you had... Um, a hundred things to say, and a hundred is a very big understatement. If there were thousands of things to say, what, what, where to go, what to say, uh, when there's such, uh, such richness here in God's Word. So it's every single time it's like, God, uh, what would you have me share? And there's a passage that I've been wrestling with um, probably for the last year, 
And it's been the word that I feel impressed on my heart for the beginning of this year uh, for forward. And so I'm trusting that, uh, that it is going to meet you exactly where you're at. And so we're going to be in a book of the Bible called Mark. Um, and Mark is one of the Gospels. The Gospels are four different accounts of the life and ministry um, of Jesus and what he came to do and accomplish. And so um, a lot of people don't know who the... Uh, for sure who the author is, but um, there's there's some good th- thoughts behind that um, a guy named Mark or John Mark wrote it, and uh, it was Peter that was telling these stories. And so regardless, we know that it was someone that was close to Jesus that witnessed these things, and at the end of the day, I love Mark. It's, it's short and sweet and to the point, and um, so we're going to dive right in. Some of you have heard the story, or the story about Jesus calming the storm. And um, so I'm going to start in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And to preface this passage, so Jesus just got done um, teaching uh, a bunch of people by um, the seashore. And so, in essence, they got in a boat uh, from this this teaching or this time together with others. And so Jesus says, let's get in a boat. So we start back in verse 35, and it says, That day when evening came, and that was the day that Jesus had just got done ministering to and speaking in parables to these crowds, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side, referring to the other side of the, of the sea. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I want you to remember that. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet. Be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. A couple of things jump out to me. Uh, as we read this last passage. Um, first of all, that Jesus is sleeping in the midst of a storm. Um, and I want to say wherever you're at, regardless of, of whether you're in the midst of a storm or whether you're like on a mountaintop and life is just beautiful, Jesus is right there. And it doesn't take him by surprise. And he's not intimidated. And, he, uh, and he's right there with you in the thick of it. And not just that, though, this idea of Jesus literally sleeping on a pillow. It's almost like kind of this, the concept that we, we think about each year when we talk about Jesus coming to this world as the form, in the form of a baby. Like, it reminds us that the Son of God, like, needed sleep just like you and I. And, and that not only is Jesus here with us in this time and wherever we're at, whether we're in the midst of a storm or we're not, that like Jesus isn't just with us, he relates to us. 
Like, if, if you're listening right now and you're like, you know what, I can't, even, I can't even anticipate what this year holds because I'm so tired from last year. Like, I'm just extremely drained. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly how you feel. He was sitting here snoozing, taking a nap because he decided to take a spot and come to this earth. And literally, the Son of God needed to catch a nap. And there's something spiritual about naps, and so we we're not going to go into that right now, but if one of the best things that some of you can do who are listening today is, like, go take a nap. Stop working so hard. Uh, and quit trying to think that you've got to work your way uh, into making things happen. Um, so go take a nap. Jesus was taking a nap in the midst of a storm, so go take a nap if that's you, if you're, if you're tired. Maybe, maybe finish this and then, and then go take a nap. But the next thing that I, that I noticed, if you continue to read through the story, is that Jesus, immediately after calming the storm, he looks to his disciples and he said, why are you so afraid? It's a great question. And you go, well, of course, uh, that's a dumb question, Jesus. If fishermen who have spent their life on a boat, who are well acquainted with that sea and well acquainted with that weather, and probably really good swimmers. If not, they picked a horrible profession. If they're afraid, that had to have been some crazy kind of a storm. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, do you still have no faith? And the problem is, is that is these disciples, it's not that there was anything wrong with being uh, necessarily uh, overwhelmed by the storm that they were in. Obviously, if these are fishermen and guys that have been around the sea, and even if they weren't all fishermen, um, if they're fearing for their lives, that was a legitimate storm. But Jesus was in that boat. Jesus was in the boat with them. And so at the end of the day, um, Jesus asks a great question. Why do you still have no faith? Or do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they didn't connect the dots on who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him. So at the end of the day, Jesus turns this storm into an object lesson of how in the world um, are you guys afraid? Do you still have no faith? And you're like, wait a second, am I missing something? This doesn't seem to be anything about faith. Then we go on into the rest of the story, because it doesn't just stop here at, at this chapter. As we move on to chapter 5, chapter 5, same book, Mark, verse 1, is they went across the lake to the region of, I'm, I'm going to totally botch this, so Gerasarenes, Gerasarenes, whatever you want to say it. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, and about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Just when you think this story can't get any crazier. 2,000 pigs go full on rushing into the sea and drown. Those tending the pigs, verse 14, ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, as they were afraid. Common theme here. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. A lot happens in the beginning of this chapter. And as people are probably reading this, they're thinking like, they're seeing things that we just don't see as we're reading this text. But the first thing is that I'd like to point out is that I don't think at all that Jesus got in the boats to get his disciples in the middle of a storm and give them an object lesson about how bad their faith stunk. Jesus got in the boat to go to the other side because there was someone on the other side of that lake that needed him. And I need you to hear that. Because that's a microism of the story about Jesus coming to this earth that at the end of the day that there's nothing that Jesus won't do to reach you. Literally, to come to this earth, to empty himself of his, de of, of, his uh, of being in heaven and to come into the form of a baby. We just got done celebrating this. Give all that up at a chance with his death and resurrection to have an opportunity to have a chance to spend an eternity with you. There's nothing that Jesus won't do to get to where you are at, where you're at. Jesus wants to meet you exactly where you're at. And there's nothing that he won't do and no see he won't cross and no obstacle that he won't overcome to let you know he's coming for you. 
And I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you've ever been in the, the, the shoes of, of, of a man who's been demon-possessed. I don't know if you're sitting there thinking that there's no hope left. Maybe last year it was like, that's the theme of your year. Um, I just don't see a point from this point forward. Who cares? So what? I want you to know there's nothing that Jesus won't do and hasn't done and won't continue to do to try to reach you. Jesus crossed the lake to find this man that couldn't help himself. This man had a need that only Jesus could meet. And I'm praying that there's someone else like that on the other end of this camera that's listening in today. That there's a need represented in your life that only Jesus can meet. And you're probably sitting there going, yep, because everything else has not worked. And everybody knows it. I know it. My family knows it. My last three wives know it. My dog that I kicked on the way in tonight knows it. But I want you to know Jesus knows it. And Jesus walked in, went through the storm to get to you. And after reading this story, there's a couple of things that just, just that grab my attention. Is One, Jesus is in an area where there's 2,000 pigs. I need you to understand that, that Jews don't hang around pigs. And so when Jesus crossed the sea, he went into a group of people that weren't expecting him. That the Jews themselves didn't think that Jesus had come for them. And Jesus crossed the sea, not just to reach a man, but to make the statement that his love has no border. That there's no one that he's not willing to save. That there's no one that he's willing that would perish. And he completely crosses the borderline and goes into a Gentile area. And Jesus flips the script. He does exactly what people aren't expecting him to do. And he did it for this man in need. The other thing that I notice in the story is that the man or the demons or the combination of meet Jesus the minute he hits the shoreline and falls at the feet of Jesus. And there's something to be said about that. And I won't bore you with my story, but I, but I will say this, that I've spent a good portion of my younger life trying to carve out a road for myself, try to make something work on, 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 my, on my merit or on my, my efforts. And I'm telling you, Every single time I tried to make things happen, every single time I tried to control things, every single time I tried to go do it my way, dead end. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you're in that same place. That Everything you've tried to do, everything that you've worked towards, just seems to keep dissolving before your very eyes. But there was a moment in my life when I made, a, I made the observation that I can't fix this 
I can't, I can't write this wrong. Like, if that's all that I have available to me, what's the point? But I'm here to tell you, that's not what all is available to you. This man falls at the feet of Jesus, and I can relate, because the moment that I made the decision to stop running and turn around, and the moment I fell at the feet of Jesus is the moment that I came to the recognition that Jesus and only Jesus alone is the one that had all that I would ever need. And there's something remarkable about that. If you continue in chapter 5, you're going to read a story, and I encourage you to read the rest of the chapter. There's a story of a religious leader whose daughter's dying. And he goes to Jesus asking, not long after this, Jesus, come, can you, if you could just lay your hands on, on, on my daughter, if you just come, I know she's, she's going to be made well. And on his way there, a woman who'd been struggling for 12 years knew if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she'd be made well. And she did. <laughs> and when Jesus recognized that power had left him, he turned around and said, who touched me? And the same picture we see with this man on the seashore, we see with this woman. It says she, she, she lays down at the feet of Jesus and basically spills the beans and said, it was me. And Jesus says, the opposite of what we heard in the boat to the disciples, your faith has made you well. <laughs> Not you didn't have faith. Your faith has made you well. But she found that when she humbly and honestly went to the feet of Jesus. But the story doesn't stop there. It keeps getting better. And you say, better. This next part isn't better, but when this happens, someone sends word that the daughter is dead now. She's not even alive anymore. And you're like, this is, the, this is the lamest story I've ever heard in my life. Like, Jesus went to go help someone, and on the way to helping this different person, the very reason, you know, he was headed in the direction is just pointless. It's done. It's over with. Jesus goes anyways to this house. And the mourners are there, and they're already starting the whole whatever that process looks like in that culture than that day, basically mourning the, the death of this and Jesus says, she's, she's not dead, she's asleep. Jesus goes in there, raises her from the dead. And the father, get this, falls at the feet of Jesus. There's something to be said about recognizing that, you know what? I don't have it. I don't have anything else. I just, I've tried it my way. And I know what I need in this moment is bigger than anything I'm ever going to have in my own strength. And so maybe you're there on the other end of that screen today, and you're like, you can relate to that. And you just, you don't even know how you know, but you know that, that there's someone out there that, that has the answer to the need that I have, and it's, and it's outside of me. And I want you to hear, 
that all you have to do is come to the feet of Jesus. Literally. He's waiting for you. Those that were demon-possessed, those that had an, a sickness, both outcasts, both not able to live in society, both have been shunned by their community. Maybe that's you today. Jesus literally walked across, not walked, rode across a lake to go talk to these people, to go encounter these people and meet them exactly where they're at. And these people made a decision, and they knew in that moment that Jesus was the only one that had what they needed. And I want you to understand that that's where you're at today. If there's needs inside of you that nothing, no one, no thing, no, no, no opportunity, no career, no, no person is ever going to be able to fill. But Jesus can. And it's literally just by falling at his feet and humbly submitting and saying, you know what, I've tried it my way. There's nothing that I can do to get out of the situation that I'm in. I, I, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's a loved one like this dad was in the story that saying, hey, I'm, I'm good, but, but, but I know someone that needs Jesus, and Jesus alone is the answer to this problem. As we approach this upcoming year, um, God has worked, been working on the, uh, the posture of my heart. And I think it's because he loves me enough, because he wants me to be positioned to, to receive and be a part of what he's going to do in this year. And so maybe, maybe you're today watching and you have a relationship with Jesus. Um, I want to encourage you. One, don't stop spending time at the feet of Jesus. Um, two, I want to encourage you to take steps this year that are bigger than you, that will require faith to be engaged, that will scare the living daylights out of you. That's a theme we see throughout these this story, that these stories that we read, that there, people were afraid. Like there was, and faith isn't the absence of fear. Um, fear can sure cripple us from being able to, to have that moment. But there's something that on the inside that, that Jesus is wanting to speak to and wanting to do in each of us. And so to land the plane, if you're in a storm, Jesus is in the midst of that storm. If you're on the other side of a lake and you feel alone, you've been outcast by your family, by your community, Jesus has been coming for you. Jesus is coming for you. Jesus hasn't given up on you. And the need that you have is going to be found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Maybe you've been struggling. You've spent all the money that you've had on the problem that you're currently going through and you've hit the end of your road. I want you to know that all you got to do is touch the hem of his garment. And he's right there. He's waiting for you to reach out in faith just believe that you can't do it in your own strength, that it's all him and he loves you that much and something that I've been challenged by in this moment is you see some reactions that take place when Jesus walks in and does 
the unthinkable. You see, when, when this man, I don't know how many years he had been possessed by a demon, but when he's delivered, the community itself was more upset about losing pigs than it was excited about the fact that this man had been freed. And I don't know about you, but I want to position my heart so that when God does what he says he's going to do, that he's going to build his church, that his kingdom is going to move forward, that he is going to that he's going to continue to save people and that there's going to be a move of his spirit that will sweep across the globe, that I want to be on the side of the fence that celebrates in his, and says, who cares about some stupid, measly 2,000 stinking pigs? This guy just got delivered from a spirit that had chained him for years. Who cares about anything else? This woman just literally got healed. Who cares about anything else? That in these moments that we would position our hearts, that we'd be ready to celebrate when Jesus brings in the outcast, when Jesus reaches out and touches the people that no one else is willing to touch, that we would be a part of that movement and a part of that work. And so my... my uh, my encouragement to you tonight would be, as we lean into this year, that we would posture ourselves like each of these three individuals, <laughs> that we would fall at the feet of Jesus. And maybe it literally just needs to be that physical, like that posture where you, you're in your prayer closet, or maybe, maybe, you're, <laughs> maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you're like, I don't even know what that looks like, but I just... that we'd humble ourselves and say, you know what? Jesus, I have no idea what this year holds. I don't know that I even have a relationship with you or I, if you even really exist. But if you do, I humble myself at your feet and I ask you to do what evidently what you alone can do because I certainly can't. Would you come in? Would you do the work? Would you work the miracle in my life? Would you fill those needs that you've placed on the inside of me? Would you give me opportunity? If I have a relationship with you, would you give me opportunity to be able to step out in faith and believe you for the unthinkable and to celebrate you when you do it and that you'd let me be a part of it? And then the other challenge that I've had this year and to wrap this up is, would be that we would, we would understand the power of praise. And I want to be clear that there's nothing that like, you know, we can, there's nothing in us that's, that, that, that makes that powerful. It, it's, <laughs> it's the object of our worship. It's the object being Jesus as we begin to place our eyes on him, as we come to his feet and humble ourselves in, in dependence on him, there's something that happens. There's something happens on the inside of me when I begin to worship, when I don't see the answer yet, when the things I've been praying for still seem to be lingering there and the problems don't seem to be resolved and I, and I don't see the answer to my prayer yet to begin to worship. 
and there's something that happens in that moment and that's the challenge that I, that, I, that I have had here for the last few months as I've been in my own personal storm in the boat that I've been, that I realize that Jesus is with me. But even before I see him calm the storm in my life or even before I get to the other side of the lake, I'm going to begin to praise him in the midst of that storm, in the midst of that lake, understanding that he's seeing something that I can't see, that evidently there's got to be something on the other side that I just don't have sights on. But I've got to trust that he does. And I've got to trust that he's got good in mind for me. And I've got to trust that there's someone on the other side of this that he wants me to be a part of. That he wants me to encourage. He wants me to to walk in and be Jesus to that individual. And so I want to encourage you, if you have a relationship with him, that this year that would be the year of praise. It would be the year that as you're on your way to work, as you're in the break room, or as you're in your prayer closet before you start your day, that, that you would realize that the powerful tool that is in in worshiping and praising and, and putting ourselves at the feet of Jesus saying it is only by your grace and your mercy that I even have to draw into my lungs right now. Thank you for loving me. Thanks for reaching for me. Thanks for not letting anything stand in between you and I. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thanks for, for giving me purpose. Thanks for letting me be a part of what you're doing here and now. And I have an expectant heart for the things that we're about to see this year. And I do believe that the best is yet to come. I do believe that God is going to widen our peripheral. That the things that we thought that God can do are going to look narrow by the end of this year. When we see what God does. But I want to have a heart that is ready for is excited and is and, and is worshiping and celebrating before I even see the answer, before I even feel um, him do that work. And I want to pray for you if that'd be okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the for the challenge that regardless of whether we're in the storm, whether we've been tormented, thoughts of, of, of no hope and thoughts of and all these things. Maybe we, there's an illness that's represented as someone's watching it on the screen tonight or today. Lord, that there's no need that you can't meet. Literally, all that we could ever need is found in you and you alone. And I thank you that you allow us to go through storms, that you allow us to go through different seasons that will cause us to lean in to grab a pillow and lean into that storm. And rather than fighting the process that you have us in, Lord, we want to lean into that. We want to worship you in the process. We want to fall at the feet of Jesus, declaring our dependence on you, that there's nothing in our own strength that could, that could get us through what we're currently in. And we recognize that there is a war that's going on. And that there is an enemy that would love to take us out. But you step in. And you cross the sea. And you come through the storm. And you literally came to this earth to give your life freely so that we could have, a ch- that you could have a chance at a relationship with us. What a powerful thing. I pray for the person who's watching that either has no hope and hasn't seen the answer yet, that you would 
help them to begin to praise you right now, to begin to thank you and literally call out the situation that they're in and thanking you for the answer before they even see it, for giving them the faith to reach out and just touch the hem of your garment, to do something in the eyes of what anyone else would be looking in going, that's just stupid that you'd allow us those opportunities to step out and look stupid on account of you, but give us faith in those moments to, to step out and to see what only you can do in our lives and in the lives of others. I thank you that you're still in the business of freeing people, healing people, and raising the dead to life. I pray that, that we would be a part of that. You position our hearts so that we're ready to be a part of that. Thank you for relentlessly pursuing us. We fall at your feet, recognizing that apart from you, we have nothing, but in you, we have all that we could ever need. It's in your name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hope you guys have a great week. We will see you in person next Sunday.